Hi, welcome to Clean Slate with Vicki and Joanna. Every day is a clean slate and a fresh start. Make today the day. Okay, so welcome to Clean Slate. We are so excited to have a very special guest today, my dear friend, Amy Edwards. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so it was like, what are we going to talk about? And um, Amy has got such a incredible story, um, multiple incredible stories, <laughs> but we're just going to pick a couple to talk about. Okay. And which one did you want to talk on first? Um, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm passionate about reading um, intervention, so yeah. I think that's Let's do where it. I would want to go. Because we do, we have an educational thread in in a lot of our podcasts, so that was, right. I, I was hoping you would say that, because I'm <laughs> so excited about that. So tell me, tell me your story. Well, um, oddly enough, I didn't realize my story dates back to a very young age until um, more recently, but I remember as a child, um, my grandfather did not learn how to read because he, you know, that generation back then left school early and stayed at home to work on the farm and that kind of thing. So um, when I was young, first, second grade, I went to a Christian school. They used Abeka, um, program, which is very phonics oriented. And so that's how I was learning to read. Well, I would come home from school and my mom would sit at the dining room table with me and my grandpa, he would come over in the afternoons and she would tell him to learn everything that I had learned. So whatever I was working on at school, she would teach it to him and she and I, I didn't realize it at the time, basically taught my grandpa how to read. That is so, so cool. I yeah. did not know that. Mm-hmm. So that was early, early on. You know, it's a memory that I have, a sweet memory to have with my grandpa, but I didn't realize it would ever amount to anything or, or anything would ever, you know, trace back to that. And then I can fast forward to probably eighth or ninth grade, still in a Christian school, still using either Bob Jones program or, or um, Pensacola but we had a literature book and one of the short stories was My Father's Hands by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And so I read that story in class and was like, oh my goodness. And I came home and read it to my mom and we were both sitting there crying. But it's all about a man who worked really hard on a farm and had these big strong hands that could do all these things on a farm. And he ended up dying because they changed his medication to be a push down and turn bottle and he couldn't read how to open his bottle and he ended up having a heart attack on the farm and all because he couldn't read and so that was just oh to me you know and so I actually memorized the short story to take to the fine arts festival and and do or whatever and so all these years later, I can look back and think, man, it's like God has been preparing me my entire childhood, and I didn't even realize it for what he would have me to do later in life. So that's how, I, I guess, I officially how I got started, even though I didn't realize it at the time. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah God, God does things like that, doesn't he? When you look back in retrospect and see what an impact right. Um that he has had on our life even before we understood right it, it's just a, a thread that just went weaving through your 
yeah. your whole life. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, so fast forward. So fast forward to I have um, I have three children. My middle child Colby started struggling in even as young as preschool. So his his preschool teacher started noticing that there were some problems. He couldn't retain like his colors. Um, he couldn't retain letter names, letter sounds, things like that. And so we would work on it at home, but he was going to school too. And so she started saying, I think something's going on. I'm not really sure what's happening. And I was like, yeah, you know, he's my middle child. He's super laid back anyway, which is true. I just think he's, you know, immature, you know. And so I kind of just brushed it off. And then as he left preschool and and went on into the older grades, he had trouble like tying a shoe and started having trouble like we noticed he couldn't keep any kind of routine so like where normally we we get up or we start our day and we have a routine go to the bathroom as soon as we get up and then we brush our teeth and you know all the routine things that we all do he, he it was like routine was foreign to him no matter how many times we had done it and then spelling words I wasn't noticing so much on reading, but like spelling was atrocious and uh, anything memorization. He couldn't memorize math facts. He couldn't memorize the spelling words. He couldn't memorize sight words. Anything memorization was uh, a real struggle for him. And so at the end of second grade, his teacher said, something's going on. And so she wanted to hold him back. Well, I wanted to have him tested and see what was happening. The school was like, eh, you know, they didn't want to do the testing. It was public school at the time. Didn't want to do testing because it was so close to the end of the year. And I was like, but we've got all summer long to get help if I could just figure out what's going on. And so I ended up having him tested. It wasn't with a child psychologist or anything like they typically would tell you to do to get an actual diagnosis. But... um, anyway found out he was dyslexic Um, which wasn't a huge surprise because it is hereditary and my husband has it and my father-in-law has it so we were kind of like oh okay this makes sense so that's that's how we got started in my family personally so um is it like with anything i because i feel that i have mild dyslexia Mm -hmm. self-diagnosed because it's so mild and um, it was Diane Craft, because um, you and I have yes. talked about her before, mm-hmm. that she's like, if you're reversing letters, you know, by a certain, I think, third grade or something like that. Right. And I'm 51 years old. I still reverse letters. <laughs> um, so I, I realized that I have to think really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, the B's and the D's and the things that maybe have two O's, I'll, I'll put two of another letter. That makes no sense. Like uh, my friend's last name is Cooper. I can't tell you how many times I write copper um, because I know it's a double letter. I just can't ever remember which one. And I'm 51 years old and I do that. So it's, I know I've got a very mild. So my question to you is, it ranges in yes, severity. it's on a spectrum, for yes. sure. And so you can be very mild and not even really even realize that's what it is. Or, it, I mean, and yours could be that. It couldn't, you know, might not necessarily be, you know. But it is on a spectrum, for sure. You can be very mild, and then you can be rather extreme. And mm-hmm. I would say that Colby falls mm, somewhere between the middle to extreme. He's mm-hmm. he's he's had a really uh, a struggle with it, so... So what do you do for that? Like, how, how do you get through that? 
Okay, so what I chose to do was homeschool at that point. I had said I would never homeschool. I, thought, I think we that? all say that. <laughs> yeah, of course, we do. Who would do that to themselves? <laughs> exactly. And I was always like, these people are freaks. Like, your child needs to be in school. And like, you're what crazy. about the socialization? <laughs> exactly. It wasn't even that as much as I'm just like, no, like, they need to be away from you. Like, you. <laughs> You need your time. They need your, yeah, their time. I gave birth like, to them. They're all yours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, like, not necessarily that I would never homeschool. I was anti-homeschooling. So, um, but God has a way of being like, huh, oh, joke's on you, yeah. sister. <laughs> so, ultimately, we decided that that was what was best for Colby, that he just needed the one-on-one attention, and we needed extra time to concentrate on the things that were important, which was him learning to, to read and spell. And that that was more important to me at the time than him learning science and history and things like that, which we still did that, but it wasn't like it is in school where, you know, you, you have a certain amount of time for each, each subject. And we could spend as much time on reading. How much history do you remember from elementary, middle school? Exactly. Seriously. Seriously. Exactly. Nothing. And on top of that, you can learn history in your reading True. work, mm-hmm. you know, right. so that was the best route for us. And it turned out that my daughter, who was just a great under him, was like, well, I want to homeschool too. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> you are great. Like, school is fine for you. You love school, which she did. I'm like, why would you want to stay at home? She's like, no, I want to stay home. I'm like, okay. So it worked out perfectly because it gave them, they, they've always been close. So they had each other. And then it gave her opportunity to help him with things that he needed help with and then there were things that he could do so well that she wasn't doing as well because she was a little younger that he was able to help her and so God just he just put it all together it's always that's perfect always better so Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's what I chose to do was homeschool and then we did look for a dyslexic tutor to help him um, because I was kind of clueless as to what to what to do. Um, actually, Lauren Fayard came and tutored him during the summer some in our basement, um, but she was just doing regular reading help. But once we realized he needed more, we did the dyslexic um, Orton-Gillingham. That is actually where I realized, hey, I could do this because his tutor required the parent to sit in on each session um, so that we would know how to work with him at home. And so while I'm sitting there, I'm like, I could do this. I could do this. Like, why would I not do this? I I love kids. I love teaching. You know, I'm going through this with my own child. I could do this. And so I'm thinking it in my head, but I still didn't pursue it or do anything with it because I was busy homeschooling. So he went through that. Um, it did do. He did do really well with it. He still struggles. I'm not saying it was a cure all. There is no cure. But it was good for him. It was very beneficial. And so that's kind of where my passion started to grow. And then as he moved into middle school and my time was more freed up and he, I quit homeschool and he had gone back to school. And I was like, yeah, kind of think that I'm going to look into that and see if that's something I could do. So I just started reading about it more and researching it um, just on my own and then ended up doing an online program to um, learn how to actually do it so how beneficial was that training for you that online training versus the research you had done yourself was it instrumental did you need that or 
or could you have done what you did without it? Just out of curiosity. Being completely honest, I think me personally, I could have done it without it. But I think that it's a lot of your, I think so much of what I do is my passion and my love for kids and empathy Mm -hmm. for the child and also for parents because I've seen my child go through it, but I've also felt what a parent feels. And so a lot of what I do is that part of it. But then, you know, it's really not that hard to teach a child how to read. It's just knowing that it requires patience and that it can't be rushed and that it has to be systematic and it has to be, you know, slowed down to where they can grasp it and get it and that you have to try other things that not every child learns the same way no matter what you're teaching. And so sometimes I can teach it in a certain way, but if that child is not getting it, that's not on them. That's on me to figure out how to teach it where they can get it. And so I think it comes down to a lot of that uh, understanding. Um, As far as the knowledge that I gained from the online program, I mean, I did, I did get some things and I, I wouldn't discourage it by any means, but I also did not continue to pursue it. So, you know, I could have gone further into it. I could have done a practicum. I could have all the letters beside my name. I don't have any of those. And I'm very honest and open about that with anybody who comes to my business and is looking for help. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I don't have all the training. There's no letters after my name. I didn't even go to college. This is, but I promise you, you won't find anybody more passionate and understanding about this than I am. And the good news is I also don't charge like I have this huge education. I charge like a mom who's been where you are and it just wants their child to get some help and needs somebody that's affordable, so. That's fantastic. So what ages do you work with? All ages or do you start younger? I start young, like um, I've had kindergarten is the youngest that I've had. Um, And then I've had one that was 16, but that didn't last very long. Um, Mostly because every, all the stuff that I have is very elementary pictures all you know just the stuff like that looks very elementary and he struggled a lot to not feel like a baby and that kind of thing and I had a hard time like gearing it so for someone like that are they late in diagnosis is that what it is Um, or they just are late getting help late getting help gotcha late getting help which is a lot of what I see okay yeah a lot of times parents like me or learn early on. I wish I had gotten Colby help earlier. I mean, like I said, you know, we knew in preschool something wasn't quite right, but I kept making excuses for it. He's middle child, yeah. Then when he went on to kindergarten, his particular um, public school, they had a combined classroom of kindergarten and first grade. So there was like 60 kids in one classroom with uh, several teachers. Well, each kindergartner had a buddy that was a first grader. Well, the first grader did all the work. So Colby looked like he knew what he was doing, but it was really the first grader that knew. He just got lost in the the big crowd there. He got lost. And so there were always excuses where I would be like, well, I mean, you know, eh." and then finally I just had to come to groups like something's not right. I just find it surprising they want him just to repeat the second grade instead of giving you that time and the testing that Mm -hmm. you needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very common to want 
a child to repeat a grade, but the, the fact is with dyslexia, that child can repeat second grade 10 times. Mm-hmm. If at the it, same place. Uh, yeah, if they're not gonna get it, they're not gonna get it. And so it, if, it, if something's taught in the same way over and over and over, and they're not getting it the first time, they're not gonna get it the 10th time. Well, if he's not getting the routine down of brushing your teeth and getting exactly. ready, then why would that be any different? Exactly. Interesting. It's that whole occupational mm-hmm. and uh, executive, executive function. functioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next book. <laughs> I I I want to do something on executive functioning. Mm-hmm. You you need to be co-author on that thing because <laughs> I think that's what's wrong with the modern education system is a conveyor belt education. It mm-hmm. has to be mm-hmm. when you're educating millions of students. You got to have some sort of standardization, right? And when you've got a certain percentage that no matter what you do, they're not going to fit in that. There needs to be an alternative, right, for students like that. Now, uh, see, I agree with that. Especially like so many people would say to me when Common Core came out and was so popular, everybody was like so anti Common Core. And in my thinking, I kept saying there's nothing wrong with common core. Like I'm, I'm not anti common core. I'm anti everyone in the classroom having to use common core. Not everybody needs that. And so it's the same with reading. I mean, some of these kids can absolutely learn through sight. They can go through a whole stack of sight words, what they call sight words, which is different from what I call sight words, but they can learn to read. They can memorize them like that. Um, and then they turn out to be great readers, you know, it's not a problem. But not every kid can do that because some kids struggle with memorization and some people need the backdoor approach. And so for them, they have to have it broken down into phonic sounds and learning those sounds and using those sounds and learning how to separate sounds and all of those things, which is mostly how we all learned how to read from our generation. But if Everybody can learn how to read that way, but not everybody can learn the way that they're teaching it now in schools. And it's like mass production. They don't have time for that. Right. Exactly. So the same thing, that's how I feel about Common Core. Mm -hmm. You know, some people learn that way and and it's great for them. Colby is probably one of those kids because he loves the backdoor approach. He can see things a different way. And so he needs to see things a different way. But if you don't need that, then it's a whole lot of excess work. And then it's like, why? You know, so mm-hmm. it's that it's that same feeling of everybody's got to do it this one way. Well, no, we're not all created the same way. That's right. But So if you had a magic wand, what would you do differently, say, in the school system to, to address people like your son? If, if we could fix the problem of how they're doing education, where, where students like your son is falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Like the example you gave where he was combined with the, the first grader and he wasn't on anybody's radar. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe the question is, we just need to homeschool. <laughs> if you have the, the means and the ability to homeschool, mm-hmm. that may be the direction mm-hmm. that we, we address, like what you had to do. It's like, you know what? let's try this let's homeschool him right and see do you envision that you could say employ some of the strategies of the orton gillingham um into the school system 
um, or I don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. Is that something that could be used in the classroom? It is, and, a lot, and some schools are doing that. Um, in fact, Walton County has different schools that are using um, the Wilson program, which yeah. Wilson is Orton-Gillingham. Um, is an Orton, So Orton-Gillingham is like the big umbrella, and then you have programs up under Orton-Gillingham, and Wilson's one of those. And so they use Wilson um, for their intervention, which is great. So there are some schools that are doing things. If we could get it all over, that would be awesome. It's, if you have a child who is struggling with reading and you pull them out to do reading help, continuing to teach them in the same way that they learned in the classroom just in a bigger setting is not going to work. Mm -hmm. Just because you've lowered it from, you know, 20 kids to three kids, but you're still teaching it the same way and expecting them to learn it the same way, that's not what they need. They don't need smaller settings they need a different approach and so that's when i think those reading intervention programs you come in and you teach it in a different way and you teach it in the way that that child can understand it and for them it's going to be strong phonics and um often you know uh, strong phonics big review um, systematic building off of each other not expecting them to read anything that they haven't already learned, which goes with the systematic, but also the fact that it can be smaller settings. It, it, that is beneficial, but only if you're teaching it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So just imagine how that could have turned out had you not, had he just repeated the second grade and you had not decided to end it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think about it all the time on a huge spectrum for him personally that he needed the homeschool and then he needed the extra tutoring help and stuff. But then also the fact that it led me to, to what I do now. Right. So um, just looking at it all and thinking, OK, um, just all the doors that open for that. Right. Yeah. So, so, so how many students have you personally been able to work with? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I haven't like ever number added it up I think of how many I have like currently but um like currently I work with 15 on a weekly basis I see them one one hour a week and then of course they have homework so because I cannot do in one hour what needs to be done so they have right. to do their homework each each day that I give them but currently I have 15 but I've had so many that have graduated I've had some that like went through the whole program and graduated and then I've had some that catch up with their reading level and then the parents say okay I think we're good now and so they stop the program which is great too always something I want to see right. happen so that's awesome I I to me personally I think I'd speak for all of us that there is nothing more rewarding than providing young people hope mm -hmm. when there wasn't any and that is in something as crucial as reading right because reading hinges all the other subjects hinge on that. Right. All of them. Math. Uh, all of them. Right. And so it's it's just, I can't think of a more important uh, subject matter to, mm -hmm. to focus on. and Which is why I will say, like, usually children are not diagnosed until third grade. Well, are diagnosed or said that there's a problem, which is basically what was happening with us, too. He had just finished second grade. But that is because you go from this point of, learning to read to all of a sudden you're reading to learn and so when it gets to 
the end of second grade, third grade, and teachers are no longer reading the instructions for the math problem. And instead you're expected to read that instruction on your own and then perform the problem. It's like, whoa. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. That's why I pulled my kids out of school because of a reading issue. Jacob was in the first grade, and it wasn't anything really with him. It was more with the teacher because none of the kids in that room could read. And so I worked with him that summer, and he like he couldn't even read the instructions and the math. And that was like you know like find the sum. He he didn't know, right? And he couldn't he couldn't know because she did zero reading, and I knew because I worked in the classroom every week with her. So we worked a couple of months. He had a private tutor. I think we went to Sylvan. We worked at home. I bought a lot of the readers on eBay. We just read every chance. That's what we worked on because that's like the key to unlocking all the doors. And that summer, he read every Harry Potter book on his own. Aww. I mean, just just couldn't get enough reading. And when he went back in the fall, the his second grade teacher said, this is not the same kid that I'm reading in the folder. You know, what happened? It's like we just read books. Mm. Mm-hmm. And look at that in just a summer. In the summer. Mm-hmm. Because in Gwinnett County, they do, I think we've talked about this before. What is that test they do in Gwinnett County? The, like, gate? Gateway or no. milestone or um, um, map or net? I don't know. I've drawn know. a blank. Not, not, co- not COGAT, but it was, it's, um, it's like the one, it's like the test that grades the teachers um, on their ability. And oh. uh, they... So, you know, they hype it up and like, oh, everybody's study, you know, it's like towards the end of the school. And I was like, we're not doing that. We're, we're not doing that. But um, he made 100. Wow. Because just wow. the two months that I had worked with him, mm-hmm. and I was just nev- never so proud. So. And, that, and that evaluated the teacher. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well done, teacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's all right. The, he he uh, got the benefit no matter who mm-hmm. gave it to him. That's mm-hmm. right. That's awesome. And there's some fabulous teachers out there. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. it's rarely is it a teaching problem. No, it, you know, it usually is the size of the classroom and not being able to have individual, you know, to be able to really see that a child is struggling yeah. and things like that. It's not that they don't want to help them. There's just not enough time. Right. And, and I just didn't know, need him hard. to be down the path of being in, um, you know, having this, being labeled as a kid that, couldn't read and struggling when he just needed a key right and you know he went on to he was his kogat scores were actually showing he was a gifted kid would have been lost right wow well thank goodness Mm -hmm. Mm -mm -mm. i love it (laughs) i'm I'm gonna give recommendations sure please (laughs) i love that so if i had recommendations to give it would be not to ignore the warning signs um you know, you, you will see them if you pay attention to it. Um, get help early. Don't wait. Go ahead and, and get that help. You know, kindergarten, first grade, the longer you wait. The problem is, is they develop their own accommodations. For instance, a kid that's struggling with writing their letters backwards, B's and D's, you'll notice that they start capitalizing their B's and their D's in the middle of a word, the letter will be capitalized just because instead of having to decide, ooh, which which side of the stick does my circle go on, they just make it capital because, okay, well, that's easier. So they make these uh, their own accommodations and it's really hard to break those habits. Another one is um, public school. They teach, you know, look at the picture for a clue. 
it's a horrible habit. It's I spend so much time saying, don't look at the picture, don't guess, you know how to read, you know your sounds, sound it out. They all want to look at the letters that's in it and then just make a guess based on what letters they see because that's what they're taught to do. It's a horrible habit. So the longer you allow them to get into that mode, it's harder to break that out of. Um, and then also the other thing I would say to be an advocate for your child, you know, especially in the public school system, they, um, they need you to stand up and be squeaky, you know, just demand they get the extra help and the extra attention and don't be afraid to ask for all of the accommodations that they might um, could use. They deserve it and you know it really does take a parent standing up and saying no this my child has a legal right to get the accommodations that he or she needs. You know I see that even in the SAT and ACT um, test uh, I always, when I see somebody has a, a, a difficulty, any sort of learning glitch when I'm working with them on this high-level test, I always ask them, do you, do you have, um, you know, an IEP or what do you call it, a 501, um, some sort of plan? Uh, because if you do, we can get you extra time on the test. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there's a lot of people out there not realizing that that's you need to take advantage of that. Right. It's there for a reason. And it's such a beautiful gift because we can see 10-point swings on the ACT sure. um, when they take advantage of those things that are there for them. Right. And it's always exciting when parents are realizing well, yeah, uh, we do. We have a doctor for this or that. And I'm like, let's. you've got documentation. Apply for it. Right. Even um, when your child takes their, their driver's test, you know, when they take a written test, mm-hmm. if they have those accommodations in school, they are legally allowed to use those same accommodations in a... In a I didn't even think about that. And they can do it for AP test. exams as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So... It's super beneficial. It's, you know, a lot of parents are scared of labeling their kid, but, you're, you know, if your child is diabetic and needs insulin, you're going to give them insulin. If your child is dyslexic, they need accommodations. They need help, and you need to give it You to need them. to level the playing field. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, and I still say there is something very unique about dyslexic learners. Uh, absolutely. They tend to be some of the most creative brightest minds Mm -hmm. and because they didn't quite fit this box that's been outlined by society or or, Mm -hmm. uh, the education system it's amazing because they usually have these amazing gifts that are not you know visibly seen on a standardized test or um, in the classroom, it's right. usually something outside of the classroom where they're where they shine. And right. and there's so many stories about that. I mean, if you research it, there's so many stories of um, engineers, heart surgeons, brain surgeons that are dyslexic, and they are so much better at their job 
because they are able to look at things a different way. And so where something is out of the ordinary and other doctors can't diagnose it or can't figure it out or whatever it is, they look at it and figure out a back back door to go through and, and you know, they, they're just amazing because they have that creative mind that God's given them and they've learned to use it. And so, yeah, they might struggle to pass that exam to become a doctor, but once they are one, they're usually one of the better ones. So it's really cool. And I will say this, um, you know, I had three children. My oldest will always be special because, you know, he's my firstborn and he made me a mom after years of infertility. And then I have a little girl that's my youngest and she'll always be special because she's my baby and um, my only girl. And so I remember after she was born, just praying and asking God to give me some way to make Colby feel as though he was special, that he was this middle child that I didn't want to have the typical middle child syndrome. And then also to be able to see those other special things about his siblings. Um, And I would not trade his dyslexia for anything in the world. He might think differently, but for me personally, I look at that as a way that God um, allowed me to bond with him in a way that I don't know that I would have otherwise. And, um, you know, opened a, a door for a passion of mine and something that he and I will always share together. That is a perfect way to end. That's awesome. Thank you so much oh, for sharing for that. Me. That was, uh, I'm going to take that one with me for a while. Thank you. All thanks right. for having me. Thanks for listening. Sometimes we succeed in life. Sometimes we fail. But every day is a clean slate and a fresh opportunity. Make today the day.